Get that water out of the goddamn huddle. I'll tell you when you get a f***ing water break. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is November 19th, 2019. We got the Saints film review today. You got it done all in one day. Yay. I'm very impressed with. Yay, Ralph. Haven't got the video done yet. It should be done by the time you're listening to this podcast or this afternoon or whatever. Wednesday. Wednesday evening. Afternoon. Afternoon, most likely. Anyhow. So what'd you think? What'd you see? That was very interesting. I enjoyed watching it. Really? Because to me, I would have thought the opposite. I don't want to watch it again at all. <laughs> I've watched the game, uh, I think about three times already. Well, but then I watched the All-22. It's, it's definitely a different feel on the All-22. What were some of the things we said, our instant reaction from the game? It was just an ugly game. Everyone kind of played bad. The defensive line wasn't really getting any push. The running backs were non-existent. Yeah, and I think towards the end we had said that the coaching, that we got outcoached. I would have to put that at the top of the list now after watching the All-22. We definitely got outcoached. What makes you say that? They came in with an interesting game plan. They changed a lot of their looks up, especially on the defensive line. They did a lot of unique stuff to confuse us and to actually play to our weakness. Our weakness in our blocking, despite what everybody says, it's not our offensive line. And our offensive line didn't play bad in this game. Uh, Kappa gave up three or four. He got beat three or four times. Uh, Donovan Smith got beat two or three times. You know, and there was some stuff here and there. But other than that, that was it. I mean, they played well, I thought. And to put that in perspective, how many snaps do they play? Like 60? Right. 50? Right. So two or three bad plays in 60, that's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, even the best offensive lineman is going to have two or three bad plays a game. You know, it really all does depend on what point in the game it is, how crucial it is. Yeah, when they make the mistake. Yeah, context matters. But our biggest issue with blocking is our running backs. What we do is we leave our running backs in for pass protection quite a bit. And then they'll shoot out if no if there's if they're not needed in protection they'll shoot out and be a checkdown option make it so Winston can throw to them if they have to. Well, the Saints took advantage of that, and what they would do is they would have their guys lined up at the line, a bunch of them, say you know seven guys lined up at the line, and they would have the two linebackers up there. They'd have three down linemen, and then they would have you know, a linebacker or a cornerback or somebody or a strong safety generally up on the line too. So they wouldn't know where the pressure was coming from. Well, what they would do is when the ball was snapped, the two linebackers would act like they were going back into coverage. And then one of them would turn around. It was really interesting. I showed it in the video. They would actually jump the linebackers. They'd be facing the line of scrimmage and then the ball would be snapped. They would jump and turn around like they're facing the sidelines just long enough so the running back would think that they're not going to blitz. And then one of them would turn around and shoot up the gap. They did this so damn much. I pointed it out three or four times, and I just got tired of pointing it out in the video. I was like, yeah. And they were they were targeting our running backs in pass protection. Not only that, they had number 22 and number 21. These are the, the two main guys. Uh, 22 is a rookie. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he plays strong safety. That guy's a beast, man. He would come flying in, usually from uh, the left or right side. He'd be off screen, 
to start the play. The ball would be snapped. You'd see him come flying in, and he blew up those running backs, man. I mean, he would, he'd come in full speed, hit them square on. He knocked Dari all the way back into Winston one time. He was a handful. But they would uh, – sometimes what they would do is they would have that strong safety blitz or rush in, and they would have a cornerback, normally a 21, Patrick Robinson. They would both come in from the left and the right outside the tackles. You'd have three down linemen that would – push forward the two linebackers would fall back in the coverage but those two guys would come zooming around the edges making the running back have to decide who to pick up which one to pick up so they're not great at blocking one player so what they do is have them block two players well they have them decide which one to to block and a lot of times either way there's another one open a lot of times what would happen is that the running back would decide to block the guy coming in from the left well the right tackle doesn't know that you know, so the running back would run over to the other side to block that. The right tackle's thinking the running back's behind him, so he doesn't block that cornerback that's zipping over because he figures the running back's got him because the running back was lined up behind him. It, I mean, they, they really confused the hell out of our running back. That was their main goal defensively, and that was totally coaching, man. I, I was really impressed that they identified our running backs for our weak link, and they targeted our running backs this whole game. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. I know, I hate to admit it, but Sean Payton's a damn good coach, man. But it wasn't just on defense. It's on offense, too. Now, we all know that Drew Brees likes to dink and dunk. And that's, frankly, our weakness on defense. Yes, and I'm going to say this, and and people are going to get mad at me. Our secondary played well. The biggest, weakest link is the biggest, weakest link I've talked about all year long. Devin White in coverage. He gave up over 100 yards. Oof. In passing, yeah, that I don't know if you remember, but that uh, Michael uh, Thomas forty-one yard catch and run—that was Devin White who was supposed to be covering him. Which they—they they were working De- uh, Michael Thomas and Ted Ginn around to get them lined up with Devin White a lot. Uh, all that Kamara yardage he got—that was Devin White. Devin White was supposed to be covering Kamara, and I mean Devin White made some decent plays. He had one good tackle, and you know, I mean, he was. He's trying. I think he had his career high that game as far as tackles, tackles Yeah, go. I think he had 10 or like something like thir- that. No, I think it was 13. Yeah, well, it was because they were throwing. It was his guys that were catching the ball, and he would have to tackle them. He didn't tackle Michael Thomas, though, on that 41-yarder. Uh, Kamara caught a first down at 13-24 in the first quarter. That was Devin White's guy. That was his responsibility. Uh, I told you that Michael Thomas, 41-yarder, well, not shortly thereafter, he gave up a 15-yarder. To Michael Thomas again. Yeah, they were... Do you think they were picking on him? Yeah, I think they see that the guy's not the best in coverage, so they were designing plays to match up with Devin White. Mike Evans was saying that they did the same thing to him that they did the first game. Did you I, see that? No, I, I didn't really notice. I mean, they bracket over top. of Most teams will try to bracket. They play a cover two, and they fudge one guy over towards wherever Evans is at. But, you know, it wasn't necessarily double coverage uh winston winston didn't look all that great uh he didn't look horrible i mean he did throw 51 times and by the end you could tell he was just hurting and tired and all that good stuff but he was still out there like a trooper uh he had a couple of times especially in the second half coming right out in the third quarter where he just got happy feet for no reason i mean there, there was nobody within five yards of him and he just started scrambling like getting all hectic and he he, he started doing that but the the New Orleans offense in the first half 
They were just lighting us up with those dinking and dunking, dinking and dunking. And their whole thing is to get it in their hands of their playmakers and then let them get yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. And they, they were just doing it for us. And that gave our defensive line had no opportunity to get the Drew Brees. And towards the end of the game, they looked like they were just kind of like, oh, well, you know, screw it. You know, we're not even going to try, really. I mean, I'm not saying they weren't trying. But it just it nullified our defensive line. Which is one of our strengths on defense. Right. It, it is our strength on defense. Yeah, it looked to me like they targeted Edwards and Devin White on offense. Uh, there was a couple plays I showed on the video where you could d- definitely tell they were targeting these guys. I mean, Drew Brees would lock in on whoever was on one of those two, and he wouldn't even turn his head. He would just follow them the whole time and then throw it. Why didn't they have Jamel Dean in? I don't know. I think they wanted uh, Edwards to get some try out there. Uh, B.A. said that they wanted to put Jamal Dean. They just never got a chance. You know, they were looking for certain packages and stuff. So, Winston, toward, at the second half, they our offense, we changed up our offense. And we started doing the dinking and dunking. And Winston's just not that good at it. He's just not quick enough. He did, he's, you know, he's the kind of guy he likes to drop back, you know, seven steps and then just chunk it downfield. And to be fair, that's Cutter's offense is these long developing routes. Mm-hmm. That's what he's used to. Yes, and I will say that about our offense. We just did not have enough stuff underneath for Winston to check down to. It was it was actually driving me crazy. We would have, uh, say, you know, a, a second and six or, you know, a third and eight or something like that. We'd have all of our receivers going out, you know, to the sticks. And there'd be nobody underneath for Winston's check down to. Generally because they'd be blitzing, running back would have to stay in and block. And there'd be nobody for Winston to check down to at all. And to me, that was bad offensive planning. But they started in the second half. They started trying to do the dink and dunk. But Winston is just not primed for it. I mean, Drew Brees has been doing this for, what, 19 years? You know, Drew Brees will go one, two, three, throw. You know, without even thinking. And they're a well-oiled machine. They've been yeah, yeah. consistent. They've had a lot of the same personnel for mm-hmm. years. They work very well together. Yeah, mistake-wise, they, they're they kind of like Seattle. They just didn't make that many mistakes. Uh, they made more mistakes than Seattle did. Uh, actually, the Chris Godwin touchdown was a mistake in their secondary. One of their guys got confused about who he was covering. But, yeah, yeah Winston started doing the, the checking down stuff, and he's just he's just not used to it. And he looked very uncomfortable on it, and he would he would hesitate, which is you, know, you can't do that with the, that type of offense. He's definitely not a quick decision maker. No, no, not at all. But yeah, the first play of the, the third quarter, Winston, he just he scrambled for absolutely no reason. And Perryman, I'm pretty sure it was Perryman. I couldn't read the numbers. Those those color rush uniforms are absolutely impossible to read those numbers on all 22. But uh, Perryman was wide open deep. I was so upset about that one. I mean, he was wide open. The safety saw him like uh, right towards the end of the play, and the safety was a good 20 yards away from him. And you saw the safety kind of freak out and start running over there. But yeah, I mean, Perriman was 40 yards down the field. There was nobody around him. Was there a lot of that receivers that Jameis didn't see? No, no. I, I think maybe two or three times. They were in crucial, crucial situations, though. Uh, but... Yeah, on that play, Jameis scrambled for no reason. There was nobody near him, and he just—he looked like a chicken with his head cut off back there in the pocket and to run around. And he actually got almost got sacked, but as he was going to the ground, he threw the ball. It should have been intentional grounding because he th- he threw the ball. It landed about five yards away from him. I mean, there was a, a receiver about ten yards away 
But I mean, it was just, a, it looked to me like he just threw it in the dirt, but it should have been intentional grounding, but he, he shouldn't have did that scrambling. I mean, I was, you get frustrated watching that mess. I mean, there was nobody near him at all. And he just seeing ghosts. Yeah, seeing ghosts. And another thing about those quick passes is our receivers are not used to them. I mean, Mike Evans dropped the pass wide. He was wide open, but he was only like 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. It was for a first down. I think it was our first drive in the third quarter. It dropped, it was right in his hands. You know, he's not, he's not used to catching the ball that, that, Close to the line of scrimmage, kind of like with O.J. Howard, too, you know? Oh, O.J. So, yeah, I, w- I would definitely say we got out to coach. Our guys didn't play bad. I, you know, it I really surprised me. I was expecting to see us just get manhandled and beat up and guys making mistakes all over the place, but there really wasn't. It was just really, we just got out coached in this game. I just wonder how the game plans are being drawn up. I think that B.A. is involved in that, but... Yeah. We've had a few games where I'm like, we just weren't. Uh, this game plan just doesn't really make sense for what we're dealing with here. Yeah, it was it was that way on on both sides of the ball. You know, the defensively, the game plan just didn't match up with what. It, and, and Bruce Arians has said this with when you play division games, you know everything they're going to do. It's really just about your man beating their man. You know, because you've seen these guys. You 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 know, teams don't change that much from game to game. What they're going to do? Well, they. New Orleans defense did. I mean, they still ran cover two shell a lot, but their front seven was just all crazy. I, and and I'll say this: I haven't watched their all twenty-two throughout the season to see if they do this normally. But if they do, we were caught off guard by it quite a bit, so we didn't do good film study. So what? What are the two? And they didn't do it the first game that we right. played them. Yes, right. So I think that they just went in there with basic packages and just expected our guys to beat their guys one on one. And I think New Orleans came in with some specialty stuff. They were looking at how they could exploit our weaknesses. Yes. I thought, why wouldn't you do that as a coach? It's very confusing to me. I think most coaches do. I don't know. I don't I know. I'm not don't. a coach. I would if I was a coach. But Byron Leftwich, you might be able to give him a pass because he's a first-year offensive coordinator. Maybe. Although he's still got Bruce Arians there, who's supposed to be involved. But Todd Bowles, there's really no excuse for it on his side of the ball. Except for that his secondary is young. His secondary is young and his front seven are old. Maybe, <laughs> so, but then don't you kind of plan around that? Yeah, you would think. But it, it, I think they have, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Byron Leftwich has a decent game plan designed for his players, except for the tight end. Uh you know, I, I really like what they're doing with the offensive line. We don't move around a whole lot. It's basically zone blocking, straightforward. You know, we'll do uh, screen passes. You know, we'll do some pulling and some scraping and stuff like that. But we're we're not moving around a whole lot like Cutter had his offensive. You know, he, those guys were basically out there doing pirouettes every damn snap. Uh, so you know, he's playing basically to his receiver's strength, to Evans and Godwin, and he's playing to Winston's strength. Uh, He's not doing enough unique or trickery stuff. Now, we, we had some stuff at the beginning of the year that I was like, I really liked. But we did, we haven't done any of that like the past few weeks. It's very, We're doing really simple stuff, both offensively and defensively. Defensively, I can understand because, you know, we got so many young guys back there. We were doing some crazy stuff at the beginning of the year. But the stuff that New Orleans is doing now. But we stopped doing that. Don't know why. I don't know if it's because, you know, the... the, the we're too young in the secondary or what, but it doesn't seem to be helping. But yeah, I mean, New Orleans, they came out there with some crazy stuff. I mean, we were given crazy looks. You know, we would show man coverage and then 
post snap we would drop into zone and vice versa. You know, we did that, but yeah, it's Drew Brees. He, he ain't got a full helmet stuff like that. Uh, you know, with Drew Brees, you have to do like Atlanta did to screw up his offensive line and get pressure on, you know, and get stick to those receivers, right? The, the first 10 yards are the most important thing with Drew Brees because he's going to check down quick. He's going to, but like with our defense, we would play. Sometimes our guys, our cornerbacks would play off coverage. They, you know, they'd be 10 yards away from their receivers. Drew Brees would just take it. I mean, he would snap the ball and immediately just turn and throw it to that guy. You know, the guy would run a quick slant or a hitch. Boom, there you go. You know, it's an easy 5, 10 yards. Drew Brees would do that all day long. I can't tell you how many. I would say half of his passes, easily half of his passes, were one, two, three throw. You know, they were just those short dink and dunks. Hell, I, I can't even remember if he threw one more than 20 yards. I don't think he did, to be honest with you. His arm was so tired towards the end of the game, too. Yeah, he was throwing some ducks. So I, I, we just got outcoached. You know, they came in, prepared, exploited our weaknesses. Uh, we just tried to do the same stuff we always do, and they ended up beating us over the head with a club, basically. Now, we are BA fans. We were excited about BA being hired, but we also were one of the few people that said, do not fire Dirk Cutter. Right. And it was because coaching changes rarely change anything. Right. And this is a perfect example of that. For the better. Right. Yeah. yeah, for the better. This is a perfect example of that. This is the same stuff that was happening last year. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, yeah. we're so predictable. Yeah, We're doing too simple stuff. I mean, if you didn't know, if you just woke up from a coma and watched a game, you would think it's pretty much the same thing. You know, we can't stop on anybody on defense. Uh, you know, we're putting up a lot of yards and points, but... You know, we're throwing a lot of interceptions, and it's you know basically routes that are you know 10, 15, 20 yards down the field. No running game. Yeah, if you didn't know any better, you wouldn't, you couldn't tell there was a coaching change that had happened. Sue played pretty well. Oh, really? Yeah. Because that's not what I've heard on Twitter. Right. I know. Yeah. Well, the first play, I mean, he got a hit on Drew Brees, caused him to throw a bad pass. Very first play. And he, when I say he played well, he played probably the best on the line. Him and Barrett. Played about the best, but they just they just didn't have the opportunity to get there. You know, Drew Brees would get that ball out quick. And when you've got, you know, we just didn't come at him from angles. We didn't disrupt the line. You know, we just didn't. You know, the the Atlanta Falcons did a great blueprint for how to beat Drew Brees, and we didn't follow that Drew blueprint. That Drew print. <laughs> <laughs> so does it get better from here? What do you mean? The season? Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's talk about that. I had said, you know, that this, we're pretty much mathematically eliminated. Well, we're not. Oh my god. We can still I mean <laughs> listen to this. We can still get the two seed. The what? Numbers, yes. If everyone else loses out. There's a lot of stuff that would happen, but it's still <laughs> possible. And we can still make the playoffs if we win out and the Vikings lose out. <laughs> I mean that that'll just get us in as the like a wild seed. card. Right. But yeah, I mean we're gonna need a crap ton of help for any but you know, after watching the Saints game, I was like, I don't even want to go to the playoffs with this team. Yeah. And I, I hate to say that, but, they, you know, every Sunday it's a different, you know, we're not consistent enough. I mean, sometimes, you know, we can beat any team out there and we can also lose to any team out there. And we got to remember, we just got beat by probably the best team in the NFC. You know, we forget that. You know, we they, they came in our house and they beat us. I mean, it wasn't a beatdown in the sense it was 47 to 3. Or what was it? What was it? The Carolina Panthers score against the 49ers. They just got shellacked. We have not had one of those games yet. Yeah. And we played New Orleans, you know, probably the best team in the NFC, and they were all healthy except for Lattimore and their left guard, which didn't seem to hurt them any. I'm just so 
perplexed by this team. I just don't even know what to make of it. I don't know what the problem is. It's kind of our biggest fear coming out of the offseason because there was that question, what if Bruce can't fix it? And thus far, nothing's different. I just, I don't understand. It is very perplexing, isn't it? I don't know what to do about Jameis. I mean, just, I don't know, man. I just I just don't think getting rid of him is going to help our team. You know, the, the, who do we have to replace him? That's always my question. Who do we have to replace? You know, when people say we need to cut this person, I'm like, well, yeah, but you got to replace him first. It's like quitting a job without having another job lined up. He's just going to be unemployed. So, you know, until somebody can come to me and say, hey, we could get this quarterback or, gosh. I'm not even a fan of drafting right, quarterbacks yeah, I mean, either. How many quarterbacks have been drafted? Just over the past decade that it just flashed and burned or just totally crapped the bed in the NFL. It just had, it's so hard to get a good quarterback. And, you know, we got a quarterback. He's the best quarterback we've ever had. Uh, I, I was looking at James Winston's turnovers. You know, that's what everybody's talking about. It's turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Now, in this game, we know the O.J. Howard interception. That wasn't his fault. That was O.J. Howard's fault. I think the other three were his fault. I think B.A. came out and said that. Yeah, okay. Well, that makes sense then. He, he overthrew Evans towards the end after his foot was hurt. That was intercepted. Uh, he threw a pass into a double-covered Mike or Godwin. That was intercepted. Oh, and then he threw that fade in the end zone. That was intercepted. Now, I don't I, I don't know if I could say that's that was Jameis Winston's fault there because Mike Evans said after the game that he heard a whistle blow, so he basically stopped. And that's, a, that's where he was yelling. What? Uh, oh, what happened? What happened? What? Yeah, he was talking to the refs. He was like, "What happened? What happened?" You know, he heard a, a whistle. So he says. Oh, that, and it looked like he was yelling at Jensen. It, I think that was that the play where Jensen yeah, the snapped snap. early. Yeah, which is another thing. Both of those snaps happened in the end zone, right on the end zone, right on the goal line in our stadium. It was too loud. Jensen said he couldn't hear Jameis Winston hype. So what you're saying is those two bad snaps were on the fans? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say that. I want to bring up that... New Orleans fans showed up. They were loud as shit. Okay, last episode I said there were black seats. And you were like, oh, I don't think so. Well, you saw it on the broadcast. They're you said black. they're pewter. They're, they're gray, man. That's okay, like they looked... They're dark. <laughs> yeah, they're not they're red. They're dark gray. But, that, that's... but it looks like a faded black to me. So anyway, that was just Isn't gray just faded black? quiet. <laughs> faded black. So, I'm just saying that. That's funny. A little side note. I wasn't wrong. Uh, their O-line, the Saints O-line, they did a lot of that quick holding stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of like that. Like a grab and release. Yes. And, uh, you know, the ref screwed up again. You know, there was quite a few of those plays that they didn't call. Uh, there was the uh, fourth and one where Evans caught it, and they said that he did the pass interference which was complete BS because it was within one yard, one yard of the line of scrimmage. But even worse than that was the guy that was defending him was over the line of scrimmage before the ball was snapped. Completely over, he was like a, by like a yard. Yeah, and there was... Right in front of the line judge. The line judge five yards away from him, staring at him. And then there was the fourth and one where Drew Brees jumped over the pile, stuck the ball out, and then pulled it back, and they gave him first down for that. Right. Like, it was forward progress, but then he kept going. You don't get that second chance. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, the, the, the officiating wasn't as bad as the first New Orleans game, but it wasn't all that great. They let a lot of holding slide. We started doing holding, too, 
to make up for all the offensive line holding that the Saints were doing. But, you know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't that blatant. I mean, some of it was bad, but uh, they just I, – I, I only recall two or three holding penalties in the game. I mean, they just let that stuff go. We should have taken more advantage of it. They, they, they did play with more spark, had a little bit more energy, a little bit more oomph to them, but not as bad as I thought. You know, our defense was chugging it. They were, they were, especially after that fourth and one that Drew Brees jumped over the pile. Man, they were pissed. They were mad for that series. Yeah, we ended up stopping them. And I think they kicked a field goal, but it was third and one and we stuffed them. And then it was fourth and one and we stuffed them. And man, our defense was jumping up and down, hooting and hollering and all that. And then, you know, in all 22, it doesn't show much. And then the next scene, it shows them and they were just. You could just tell they were pissed. And on that play, <laughs> yeah, that's the play where Vita Veja just threw his guy to the side and went straight for Drew Brees and almost got him. Yeah, they was pissed. Everybody was pissed. They felt like they got robbed, and they did. But there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, normally in these things, you'll see uh, pushing and shoving after the play. You'll see guys throwing each other to the ground. You know, especially our guys, we like to throw people to the ground. Bea, uh, Nacho, Golston. Jensen. Jensen. Kappa. Kappa had a couple good ones in this game. But other than that, it was really really a calm game as far as that's concerned. Not a lot of jawing and bickering. And well, I wish there had been more of it. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's one of the reasons why I say our guys didn't play with as much spark because normally we're all up in that mess. So how do you feel about the rest of the season? Are you optimistic or is it a wash? Oh, I think it's... It'll be a miracle if we go to the playoffs. Well, I'm not, I don't mean I don't have any expectations that we're going to the playoffs, but do you think that we can finish on a more positive note, or is it just kind of all downhill from here? Well, we're getting ready to go into the Dirty Bird Stadium, and those guys are playing fierce and mean. And we've got to play against Dirk Cutter, who knows Jameis inside and out. Yeah, and the way that the Falcons' defensive front handled the Saints' offensive line. They're probably going to do the same damn thing with us. Just cause a lot of havoc up front and just make Jameis panic. Uh, gosh, I don't really know, to be honest with you. I mean, I I could see where this becomes a team where guys are just playing to get film. You know, uh, a lot of these guys aren't going to be here next year. You know, I keep saying that, but I'm not exactly sure <laughs> who's going to be here and who isn't. If it was up to me, I'd keep the whole damn team. But I don't think we're going to be able to afford everybody. So I think I could see where this becomes more of a you know job interview for the rest of the season. I don't I don't know I don't know how Bruce Arians is going to feel about coming back. To be honest with you, I mean if he can, he he can, he's not fixing Jameis. Jameis isn't fixed. You know I mean you could actually make a case that Jameis is worse. And you know Bruce Arians might be like ah oh, screw this mess. You know too old away. for this. Yeah. Although I do think he set it up to where he doesn't have a whole lot of stress and pressure on him. Right. We touched on that last time. Yeah. But I, talking about the turnovers with Jameis Winston, and I'm not a Jameis Winston apologist. I'm a supporter. You know, I mean, I recognize the guy. He's just he, he makes bad decisions. He, I think he tries to put the ball in bad spots way too often. He doesn't see the field. You know, he focuses in on one guy, and he knows who he's going to throw to before the ball snaps. You know, and even if they send five guys out, he's got a guy he wants to throw to. Uh, and he gets a happy feet. Those things haven't been fixed. But I was looking at the interceptions. Now, he is leading the league in interceptions right now with 18. He's got like a 4.4 interception percentage, which that's horrible. That's really horrible. I mean, he, th- he throws an interception like every 25 passes, basically is what it boils down to. So I was like, gosh, that 
that seems pretty bad. So I went back and I looked at him compared to all the highest pass interception people that have ever been in the league. George Blanda holds the record from 1962. He had 42 interceptions in one year, 1962. Guess who's second? Vinny Testaverde with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In 1988, he had 35 interceptions. Now, mind you, Jameis Winston has 18. I doubt if he's going to reach that mark of 35. I know he's not going to reach 42. Uh, Then he goes on and on and on. You've got Peyton Manning, 1998, through 28 interceptions. Eli Manning, 2013, through 27 interceptions. Drew Bledsoe, 1994, 27 interceptions. Uh, Brett Favre, 2005, through 29 interceptions. And I'm skipping over. I'm just picking out the names that, you know, are pretty big. Uh, of course, Joe Namath threw 28 interceptions twice. Um, Warren Moon threw 26 interceptions, 1986. Eli Manning, 2010, 25 interceptions. Took Vinny Testaverde, 2000, 25 interceptions. Brett Favre, 1993, 24 interceptions. Terry Bradshaw, 1970, 24 interceptions. Johnny Unitas, 1966, 24 interceptions. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 2011, 23 interceptions. Ben Roethlisberger, 2006, 23 interceptions. Dante Culpepper, 2002, 23 interceptions. I mean, this list just goes on and on and on. There's a lot of guys that have thrown a lot of interceptions. A lot of good guys. Guys that have gone and won the Super Bowl. Some of them multiple times. They've thrown a lot of interceptions. Philip Rivers, 2016, he threw 21 interceptions. That was just a couple years ago. So, you know, I'm like, yeah, Jameis Winston has thrown a lot of interceptions. He's a, he's a turnover machine, basically. But his 18 interceptions so far, really not that bad in the grand scheme of the league. It sucks to have him leading the league in interceptions, no? So then I was like, okay, well, you know, Drew Brees, what was he like? You know, what is his interception ratio? Okay, here's Jameis Winston's interceptions. In 2015, he threw 15. In 2016, he threw 18. 2017, he threw 11. 2018, he threw 14. 2019, he's thrown 18 so far. So that's uh, 76 interceptions in 64 career games. Started 66 games total. So then I went back and I looked at Drew Brees, who we all know, fantastic quarterback. All right. In 2002, that was his first full year starting 16 games. He threw 16 interceptions to 17 touchdowns. That was his second year in the league. Uh, The next year, he only started 11 games, 15 interceptions, 11 touchdowns. Then the next year... He only threw seven touchdowns to, or seven interceptions to 27 touchdowns. That was a good one. Followed that up with 15 interceptions the next year, and then 11 interceptions, and then 18 interceptions, and then 17 interceptions, and then 11 interceptions, and then 22 interceptions, and then 14 interceptions, then 19 interceptions, and then t- he's throwing about the same amount of interceptions as James Winston is throughout his whole career up until uh, 2017. He's thrown double-digit interceptions every year except one in 2004. But don't get me wrong. I hate Jameis Winston's interceptions. They drive me crazy. Uh, I just wish he would just be more relaxed and calm back there, man, and to throw the ball away if it's not there and start looking for these open receivers. Stop getting happy feet. Make quicker decisions. So anyhow, Jameis Winston's whole interception thing is not that bad, really. When you look at the big picture, I mean, it's horrible when you look at it. Oh, he's leading the league in interceptions right now. Yeah, that's horrible. And I think that's magnified by the fact that we're losing. Right, yeah. If we weren't losing, we wouldn't be talking about any of this. Yeah. You know what we'd be talking about? We'd be talking about how great Shaq Barrett is and how great Vita Vea is and how awesome Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are and how great our offensive line has been playing. (laughs) And it's really just a few plays here and there that would be making the difference. And, yeah, I still think we're a good team. And I'm watching the All-22, and we're matching up with these guys. I mean, we're 
You know, it's not like we're just getting our butts handed to us or we've got guys that are just, you know, wide open out there, you know, like we did with that Mike Smith offense or defense. You know, we've got, you know, our, our guys are covering well. It's just, and we don't have tough. people loafing. No, no, not a whole lot of loafing going on. Uh-uh. Nope. So, you know, I still think we're a good team. I would like to see this team stay together and, you know, try it again next year. But we're not finished this year. I gotta stop thinking like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we still do it. We still do it. It's a mathematically possibility, so therefore, I'm rooting for it. <laughs> Screw a draft. So, pick. what's the best that we can do? Is nine and seven. Best we could do nine and seven. Then next week's game is gonna be fun against Atlanta. That's gonna be fun. I'm gonna enjoy that game. Uh, JPP was basically useless in this game. Like on purpose, or they just neutralized him? I don't know. I don't know if he was hurt or or what, but he just did not play. I mean, they were they were blocking him sometimes with a tight end. And he was not able to get around him. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it was a game plan where they just had him setting the edge. Don't know. But he did not do a whole lot. He was about the most useless one on the line. That's strange. It was very strange. It's uncharacteristic for him. Now he wasn't even getting in on tackles. So I found that strange. Donovan Smith did have. He did get beat twice. I want to say both of them were in the fourth quarter, late in the game. Uh, one was the ninety-one Troy Hendrickson. That's the one. He's the one that rolled up on Winston's angle, ankle. I could have been holding on Smith, too, because he did grab that guy. That guy straight up beat him. And so Smith just reached over and grabbed him. I think he got him by the horse collar and yanked on him. <laughs> caused him to fall down and fall on Jameis Winston's ankle. Uh, and then James, uh, Donovan got beat by Cameron Jordan one time for the sack. Other than that, he played well. And it's funny because, you know, I'm... You listen to the podcast, you read the articles, you look at the forums, you know, and everybody's just crapping on our offensive line. And I just don't see it. I mean, I've seen bad offensive lines. This is not a bad offensive line. A lot of it is, you know, Jameis Winston scrambling when he doesn't have to. It, may, it gives the appearance that he's under pressure when he's not under pressure. And then also, our running back's not blocking effectively. So, I mean, they, they did pick up, a, you know, a few blitzes, but... Generally, I just don't like it when they're back there. When I see a guy coming in and they're back there and they're going to pick him up, I'm like, oh, crap. Like I said, Kappa had a few bad plays where he just got flat out beat. But he had a good few good plays, too, that he messed some guys up. But, yeah, generally it was just uh, I would I would put game planning and coaching at the top of the list. Man. We just got out coached. I think we went in there expecting a, uh, a fist fight and they outsmarted us. Mm, that's frustrating. Because, again, I feel like – they have the capacity to match Sean Payton. So why didn't they? I feel like the coaching staff could. Yeah, I do too. Don't know, man. Don't know. Like I said, I think they just, you know, they, they were like, we, we've got our game plan that we're going to stick with. It's basically what we run all the time. And they expected the Saints to pretty much do the same thing. The Saints Saints were doing like we do. They, they were moving their receivers all over the place. I mean, sometimes Thomas was in the slot. Sometimes he was out side. They did quite a few tricky plays, too. We actually got caught on one. It turned out not not be that big of a play. I think uh, Kamara picked up a few yards, but our our defensive line fell for it, which is very, very rare for us. We're a very, very smart defensive line. Football smart, anyhow. <laughs> be to be learning. And uh, But it was it, it looked like they were going to hand it off to I can't remember who was in it, but it looked like they were going to hand it off, but instead uh, Drew Brees did like a, a fake handoff, and then he just pitched it to, I think it was Camaro, And th- nobody saw him pitch it because they all thought he was handing it off to the, the first guy. So Camaro was able to run around. I think he picked up like seven yards. It wasn't, it didn't kill us, but it was, it just stuck, stuck with me because I was like, oh, damn, 
Our defensive line got fooled. We we never get fooled. They just had a hard time seeing it because he's so far. So, small. <laughs> so tiny. It was a neat little play though, man. I mean, he just he went to hand the ball off, and then instead of handing the ball off, he just did like this. Like people on the podcast can't see it, but he just <laughs> he like pushed the ball out. It was like exactly what Drew Brees did. Yeah, guys. <laughs> but they ran more trickier stuff, and they definitely their defense was much more tricky. They they were confusing the hell out of us on that line. Uh, like I said, they were coming from all different directions, and those those linebackers. I really enjoyed watching that. That was interesting to see how they would. The ball would be high. They'd be up in the a gap like they're going to blitz. You know, the ball would be hiked. They'd back up and jump in the air and spin facing the sideline. And you could see at the offensive line and the running backs would go, oh, okay, they're going back. They're going out into coverage. So they would all turn their heads and basically ignore those linebackers. And then one of them would turn around and shoot right up the gap. It was really neat. I liked it. So what, they were just standing there? Yeah. Well, I mean, they would back up when the ball was snapped. Sometimes. Sometimes they wouldn't be right up on the line. But anyhow, when the ball was snapped, they'd back up and turn like they're going into coverage not turn their back to the quarterback but turn sideways and just just enough to where the line and the running backs would go okay well these guys aren't coming in to rush so i'm not gonna pay attention to them i'm gonna look elsewhere for a threat and then sure enough one of them would turn around and just shoo, straight up the gut and then those guys coming from the edge that strong safety uh chauncey garner johnson i really like him man how how do the saints get all these guys i just don't get it man they really coach them up well i guess and then uh, Patrick Robinson, they they both did really well uh, rushing the quarterback. That 22 would just bl- – I mean, he would come flying in. He would, he'd would be off screen. The ball would snap, and he'd be like a missile. It reminded me of Whitehead. Just come in full speed, slam right into the running back, blow him up. What did you think about our physicality in this game? It wasn't horrible, but it definitely wasn't what I want to see. Yeah, we were. We, we, we really just, dropped off in that respect yeah, since yeah, the beginning of the season. Really have. I don't know if it's our guys are getting tired or just lack motivation or I don't know. We had a couple instances where we just had poor tackling with uh, uh, 751 and 709 in the first quarter. Just bad tackling between 45, 34, 39, 34, and 26. You know, 34 was in there twice. That was Edwards. <laughs> he took two cracks at him. <laughs> it was two different plays. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, they just—it was just poor tackling. They were, they were trying to tackle Kamara at the ankles. You just can't do that. No, man. he's hard to bring down. Yeah, but anyhow, that's that. So we travel to Atlanta this week. Yep, going in there to face these guys who you know they are salivating. They want three division wins in a row. How did that happen? How did how did Atlanta rise from the ashes like this? And they have had such abysmal fan attendance this whole season. Mm-hmm. But now that they've gone on this win streak and yeah, then they're coming back home, I would just expect that stadium to be. And plus, the tickets are probably yeah, cheaper. They're probably giving them away at the door, right? Just to try and get that stadium packed, which it means something. I mean, you know, you saw Jensen had two bad snaps. Both of them were at the goal line. You know, the end zone, because he, he said after the game he couldn't hear Winston. And that's not the first time this season that's happened. Right. Yeah, and that's in our house. You know, the Saints fans are so loud, it affected the game. we gotta, we got to do something about that. So, anyhow, uh, the, the two things that everybody's complaining about most, the secondary and the offensive line, I would say, are the two things I'm not that worried about, especially the offensive line. I think everyone's kind of shifted from that to the coaching and the GM. We're at that point of the season. Yeah, you're always going to get people bitching about the GM. It don't matter who it is. Right, but then when you're losing like this, it picks up and they kind of gain traction among the fan base, especially when you have people like 
Trevor Sigma with the Pewter Report. I don't get it. I don't. I don't understand it. I, you brought this up years ago, and it's the only thing that can make sense. Is you know when when you lose and fans get angry and they want somebody to be punished. They want somebody to be held accountable and pay the price. And so they start calling for people to be fired. Usually it's GMs, coaches, quarterbacks. And it just goes down from there. But what are you going to do? I mean, you get rid of like, who do you got to replace him? I, you know, and I'll be honest with you. I look across the league and I'm like, I don't know who's the good GM and who isn't. I mean, you could say by draft picks and, you know, like, like with New Orleans, we're sitting here going, how are they, how do they get these, you know, they just get these players and they put them in and they work well. I don't think it's the GM. I think it's the coaching. Yeah, I think so too. And we've done everything with coaching that we could possibly do. We've gone with young coaches, old coaches, disciplinarians, lax, uh, d- veterans, first timers, defensive coaches, <laughs> offense. Yeah, and none of it's worked. So I think getting rid of the coach isn't going to work. No, I think that's the easiest solution. One, you get your pound of flesh, you have someone to point the finger at, and they're easy enough to replace. You can't fire the whole team. You can't fire the owners. You can't fire the owners. So and you can't. The, the coaches and the GMs are the most easily replaceable. The coaches. You can point out and say you have the most to do with the game. This is your game plan. This is your team. Mm-hmm. So this is mostly on you. And then the Buccaneers, I think, are at a point where we blame the coach for so long and we've replaced so many coaches that it's really hard to make the case that changing the coach is going to fix it. So people turn on the GM. And I think it's like what you said. You know, people aren't really wanting to fix it. They're just wanting to punish people. You know, they're, they're angry. You know, you had all this hope and expectation, excitement. You spent all this money. You spent all this time watching. And then it's just lose after loss after loss. You want somebody to pay for it. I know I do. Look how many hours we put into this shit. (laughs) (laughs) And all the hype in the off season. Hey, we do it for the love of it. I know. I got the Bruce Arians Monday press conference. This is a good one because he gets. That's when he gets to watch the film and he has more explanation as to what goes wrong and everything. Uh, so that'll be at the end of the podcast. If you want to stay and listen to that, I still think this is a good team. I don't see. You know, I, I talk about Devin White is a weakness, but in coverage, I, you know, he's just young. They're all young back there, you know, and they're 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 taking their lumps. Uh, the Bunting had a couple of great plays. He had one that was just fantastic. He undercut an out route. He he, he should have intercepted it, but I think he was so surprised that he. Got his hands on the ball that he just was like, oh, and dropped it. Uh, I can appreciate your perspective about the players because you can be very matter-of-fact about their weaknesses without calling for their head at the same time because of it. You just say, this is where this person needs to improve. And you're not making a judgment about them one way or the other. You're not saying this player sucks. Yeah, I try not to, you know, especially on, on when I do the videos. You know, I try to keep my opinion out of all of it, you know, just lay out the stuff so you can see it. And then try to put as little commentary as possible on it. But yeah, I, I still think we got a good team. I think uh, Devin White has got to get better in his coverage and understand the defense more. He, he does look confused sometimes out there. I'm not seeing uh, just where our, our secondary is just getting burned. You know, it's just, you know, but I said that at the beginning of the year. You know, it's just, I don't think our secondary is the issue. I mean, yeah, they're giving up plays, but it's it's more the underneath stuff. It's the more, you know, Guys going across the middle and catching it and, you know, running for 20 yards or 40 yards like Michael Thomas did. And and that was a crucial, crucial thing because we were only – I think we were only a down a score, and that was a third down play. It was third and three, 
And they were just basically going for a first down. But he he beat Devin White so bad that he ended up running for 40 yards. So I think we got a good team. I really do. Really do. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see everybody come back next year. There's nobody on the team that I go, eh, I could deal with him not being there on the team next year. Nobody. Nobody like that. I like them all. Now that we got rid of Hargreaves, and he's the only one I would have said, eh, I wouldn't be upset if he wasn't here next year. I really like that Jamal Dean. He's just got there's something about him. I don't know what it is. It's just that he looks like he's going to be really good. He's just got that. And Bruce Arian says it all the time that length. He's got that length. He looks like. And we saw it in the game where he made that interception. He could be trailing three yards behind the receiver and make the interception because he's just got that length and that closing speed. He can just get right in front of him. He's just got to get comfortable out there playing. And a lot of times, you know, like I said, he would overshoot and would actually have to reach behind him to bat the ball down. So once he gets all that down, I think he's going to be a special player. Whitehead, I really like Whitehead. Uh, Edwards, I like Edwards too. Adams, I like Adams. Bunting, he's growing on me. Devin White, I'll be honest with you, I don't think he was worth the top five draft pick. <laughs> I mean, I like the guy, uh, you know, and he's hopefully he'll grow into it. But so far, man, I've just been like, nah, that's not a top five pick right there. But hey, we'll see. We'll see. Did you see Noah Spence got cut by the Redskins? Oh, I forgot he got on the Redskins. Know. Did he ever play? Yeah, I think he had like three tackles. Really? In like five games, so. You know, as much as we gripe about us, what are we, two and seven? What are we, three and seven? What are we? Three and seven? We've won three games? <laughs> <laughs> that many, huh? <laughs> wow. Check us out. You know, as, as much as we complain about that, we've got to remember, we are not the Washington Redskins. That's a team that's just, it's going to be a long time before they're any good. Or the Cincinnati Bengals. Ooh. And they're 0 and 10. I had no idea they were that bad. Yeah, they're that irrelevant. I mean, they're, they're yeah, they're... They're a mess. So we might not have a top five draft pick. We might get number six or seven if we play our cards right. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't care about draft picks. <laughs> don't care. Sorry, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, Friday, we're going to have Molly's going to do the Know Your Enemy. She's going to have us all stocked and ready for the Atlanta Falcons. It's always a good show. Stay tuned for that. Make sure you dialed in. You know, you say that the kids nowadays don't even know what a dial is. What is that? <laughs> That's like the little I'm just the kidding. little save icon, which is a floppy disk. Right. Yeah, kids have no idea what or or an email icon, which is a actual letter. They don't know what those things are. They just that's an email icon and that's a Yeah, remember Save icon. Our son gave him a birthday card and he goes, Look, I got an email. <laughs> that's right. I had no idea. <laughs> he got an email. Yeah, I got an email. Yeah. So when I say dial in, all you old people, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> I'm not a boomer, thank you. <laughs> uh, or tune in. You can't even say tune in. Gosh, I don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm not hip anymore. That's not even cool to say. Being no. hip? Being hip is not hip. Every time I have to urban dictionary a new slang term, a little piece of my soul dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So anyhow, we're going to just say... Listen to our podcast, right? There we go. You can tune in or dial in or email in or <laughs> teleport in, whatever the kids are saying now. Minecraft in. Until next time. Go Bucks. There's no secret. It's turnovers. And, uh, you know, this team, we have a gift habit. 
you know, we get given away points early in games and then try to fight our way back. It was a 10-point game. We had three or four possessions to get it within one and just couldn't get it done. Uh, really good football team we're playing. And uh, when you make those kind of mistakes, you're not going to win uh, against a really good team. Um, but it's been a habit, and it's, it's one that we have to break. No matter whose fault it is, it's just been, it's been a habit of, of a gift early in the first quarter and then playing hard from there on out. I think as a team, it's, it's frustrating as a coach because I see us practicing and preparing extremely hard. I mean, guys are staying extra hours uh, to prepare, but then it's not showing up on Sunday. And uh, for me as a coach, it's, it's my job to figure out why. And, uh, and that, that's kind of where we're at right now. Like there was a miscommunication on that pick six from Marcus Williams uh, with Jameis and, and Mike. Uh, do you have any clarity on that? It was just a high throw. When he, he had his ankle, that's when he sprained his ankle and he just, he just threw it high. How much did that impact his ability to step into his throws? It was huge on that one. You know, it did it kind of shook it off after that, but th- that that one cost him. In terms of him staying in, kind of closing out the game, is, is he at a point where he can pretty much? dictate if he wants to close the game if he's physically. Oh, yeah, if he's healthy, he's playing. Coach, you mentioned preparation. Did the Saints do anything different from a blitzing standpoint that you weren't expecting? Uh, they do something different every week. You know, they, they have a they have a really good package every week. But it was one, the ones that we saw, um, the one that got us, you know, the guy starts dropping and then he blitzes. And uh, we didn't pick that one up and uh, see it as a hot. Overall, we protected it. We just didn't protect it well enough. Is that the one with Kiko Alonso? Yes. Why do you think the Saints were so much more able to get the ball to their key offensive personnel in the first half than, than your offense was? Um, one was a, a, a busted assignment. Uh, we're playing two-man. You stay inside. Mike Edwards gets beat inside, gives up. You know, the two plays to Michael Thomas, uh, one's a busted assignment on a drag route, and it was not – it was Levante, not Devin. Um, the other – we walked through on Friday. Sean's supposed to be up there pressed, so he doesn't get picked. He backs up. He gets picked. It's a touchdown. You know, so was it them or was it us? You know, I think it's us, really. And they have a lot of weapons. That's one thing. You can only take away one, you know. And, and when you have Alvin Kamara, he can do a lot of things for you. But, again, he catches the ball four yards. We wrap him up as four-yard gaining. We don't make the tackle at 17. At the end of the day, I know you got behind, but you can't really – is it too much to put on a quarterback to ask him to be like 96% of your offense? Yeah, totally. You throw it 51 times, show me who wins. Brady Brady, a couple of times, not always. But you're throwing it 51 times and running it at eight, you're probably not winning the game. Bruce, this, this was the most we've seen with Scotty Miller on Sunday. Mm-hmm. He had like 35 snaps, a bunch of targets, obviously the big catch. Uh, I don't know how much of that is – other people not playing, or how much you're seeing him improve? Oh, he's improving. He's improving, and you know, we knew that they were going to double double. So Cam Brake gets 12 targets. Scotty gets a bunch of targets. So those inside guys had to win, and uh, you know, we were losing our back in the protection scheme, and uh, so Scotty did. He, he produced. I just would like to see him go one more yard where he's supposed to be for that first down. Do you have any concerns that James's ankle will be an issue? No, he looks fine right now. You know, it's a little dumb, but he's okay. Ghost and I saw he had a boot on in the hallway. How yeah, he's, we'll see. Coach, we understand that it's, it's a week-to-week league, but you got six games left. What's your approach? Win them all. 
You can't win them all till you win one. And, uh, you know, division on the road and uh, a team that's similar to us, they're they're playing really well right now and uh, kind of have found their stride after the open date. A lot of changes coaching staff-wise, but uh, they're playing with a lot of energy. And uh, it's showing on tape. I don't know how much you had a chance to look at Atlanta, but, I mean, these last two games are wildly different from mm-hmm. they were the first eight weeks of the season. Any sense of where the biggest difference is? Yeah, they simplified. It looks like defensively they're playing really, really fast and – they're not very complicated, and the front four is teeing off uh, and doing a heck of a job. And and offensively, they're moving the ball, scoring points. You've had a lot of changes on defense, uh, not just because of injuries, but personal young guys. Like yesterday with with Edwards, you know, playing in a unique position. Can can that learning curve sometimes keep keep guys from playing fast? And, and, and yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. But I mean, sometimes it's just basic fundamentals. You know, you're playing two men. You don't get beat inside. You don't take that fake. You know, you force him out. And uh, so, yeah, that that part of it, and, and you know, that's Mike's natural position. Uh, we were going to play a lot of matchup zone, blitz him because he's a good blitzer. And, yeah. uh, and he, other than two plays, he played pretty well. Plays, yeah. yeah, I mean, um, misses one tackle and misses that play right there. Is that something you deal with the next six eight? looking at him at nickel, or does he go back to safety? We'll see. We'll see. I want Jamel Dean on the field, though. Where do you think you've seen the most improvement this year so far? I mean, it's only you still got six games left, but where do you think you're really? I mean, you stopped the run, obviously, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, we we picked our poison with this one, right. you know. Uh, you know, yeah. So, I think the run defense has been pleasing all year. Yeah. Uh, I think our run offense has been pleasing majority of the time when, when we can use it. You know, when we can use it. Uh, eight passes completed to Ronald Jones uh, last week and everything. Um, I mean, was there, and I know it was difficult to get him involved just, you know, from a pure running standpoint, but, I mean, was there any uh, plan for this week or thought to getting him more involved in, in that capacity, especially considering how much Dennis Allen was blitzing? Uh, he was he was in his normal screen game and everything else. You know, uh, Dari's a better pass blocker, and, uh, and when we're in two minutes, he's in the game, which we were a bunch. And uh, to that point as well, um, you know, I know that you guys used Dari twice at the goal line there, and because you were in two minutes trying to get down the field, um, where are Ronald and, and where are Peyton at in terms of, of their ability to maybe handle that type of situation? Yeah, that's not either one of them's forte. Bruce, uh, outside linebacker, you guys have been leaning a lot on, on Shaq and JPP paying 90, 95% of snaps. Mm-hmm. Nassib had practiced last week. Is that something where he might be able to be back? Just... I hope he tweaked it on Thursday, you know, you know, Knock on what he's out there this week. You mentioned you, know, you turn the ball over. Not getting turnovers has been an issue. Too, yeah, right? yeah. At some point, those have to start coming. They got to start, and, they, and we're using when they come in bunches. You know, hopefully they'll come in bunches this week. And it, it's a coverage, coverage getting sacks, rush getting coverage. It all goes hand in hand. You know, um, when we had good rushes, Drew did a good job of just. Find a check down, getting four or five, getting four and five. That's what he does best. Yeah. We're near the later portion of the season, but guys are saying they're still having communication issues on both sides of the ball. What do you think that's coming from, or, or what do you think is causing that to happen? I don't. I don't. I did not see too many communication issues in this ball game. Um, we had poor technique, but the, the missed assignments were not communication errors, uh, other than the bad snap when he couldn't hear. Uh, down on the goal line twice, and that's that's on the center. If you can't hear, tell the quarterback to use a signing count. What's the, uh, I mean, when you say poor technique, is that just 
guys losing their their uh... losing their leverage. Like Mike on that one, Sean on the, on the touchdown play, get up there where you can't get picked, you know, and put get an outside technique and push him into the safety. With don't back up, you know, don't get a, don't get beat inside when there's no help inside. Are they, are they not panicking? Are they seeing things or, or not trusting their their uh, reads? Yeah, I think that's part of it. But when you when you when Todd kept them after practice Friday, all right, walk through that play, all right, walk through that exact play, and we don't do it. It's called youth. I'm glad I don't have any hair. <laughs> One more thing, uh, you, you knew uh, when you were with Carson Palmer, you knew him intimately, you knew your quarterbacks with Ben. How much do you think Dirk Cutter knows Jameis after four years with him, and is that at all? This league is full of guys that move on. Yeah, I think it's a different offense. He knows the guy, yeah. you know, and uh, I would imagine he's saying it's the same old stuff, right. you know. Uh, but I don't think right now they're changing what they're doing defensively because they're playing really good yeah. and uh, and playing fast. I know they played a lot, you know, a lot of cover two against you guys yesterday. Were you expecting them to do that? Because I know Mike had also said before that they switched it up on you as well um, when you played the Saints. You know? Yeah, that, that's what they do. They played two, two man. But then when they were playing single high, we missed it. Right? He was Mike was open deep, and we just didn't get it done. Something on OJ, you know, that play, he said he kind of looked up, you know, to see where the contact was going to be and didn't secure the ball, obviously took his eye off the ball. Those are fundamental things, right? But when guys aren't playing well, when it's focus, how do you get how do you get that focus back that seems to be lacking in some respect? I never believed in sports psychology before, but I'm starting to. You know, there's there's, there's something missing um, when you have a talent and it doesn't show up on Sunday, right. or it's a focus issue. You know, press maybe. That's a big part of it too. Do you think that may have been one of the reasons why OJ Howard, you know, inexplicably kind of juggled the ball behind him early in the game? Yeah. Well, that's the point we're talking. Mm-hmm. 